The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Thank you um, for, if, you, if you're new here, I do want to um, kind of fill you in maybe a little bit on, um, on that. Uh, this last year, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and uh, have been really uh, just grateful for how important that is to you. And we see that in the ways you pray and reach out. So thank you. Um, he hasn't been able to be here more than once in the last eight months. And, uh, uh, and because of that, it feels pretty isolated. And so you're reaching out, your prayers are, are incredible. So thank you for that. I will share <clears throat> just a little bit at the beginning of um, with that, there's been changes this year. Uh, following the diagnosis, I stepped in as interim executive director at Coffee Oasis. Uh, you are in a Coffee Oasis right now. Um, Coffee Oasis in the last 10 years has grown a lot. And in January, I'll be stepping into the role of executive director at Coffee Oasis. And I'm trying to figure out how to, how to lead the coffee waste as well, and I'm also lead pastor of the Refuge Church, and so how to how to care for this amazing thing God has grown, and so um, a couple of things that we're looking to do this next year uh, is uh, one is we are hiring an area director for Pierce County, which probably doesn't mean a lot to you guys, but that just means I don't have to travel to Tacoma as much for coffee oasis. Um, the other thing that this month the, the elders talked about and have decided to do is to, <clears throat> to hire um, or put out a job description for an executive pastor of the Coffee Oasis or for, of the Refuge Church. And what that means uh, is, is not that I'll be less present here, but that I will have less responsibility here. Uh, so I will still be lead pastor um, to give you an idea of what that looks like, when I came back in 2008 uh, to Bremerton, the, the Refuge Church was still this, this beautiful little house church, met in a circle, and um, you, you could see the whites of everyone's eyes. And, uh, and the next years, it just started growing and has become uh, what the Refuge Church is today. But we're in the middle of a story, and there's, there's more to that story. And uh, so as Refuge has grown and Coffeeo has grown, um, we've learned a lot together. And my dad and I have learned a lot in relationship to one another. <clears throat> and 
one of the ways the Refuge Church has been led and the Coffee Oasis has been led in the last couple of years is uh, we have figured out how to work together. Um, and at the Refuge, what that looked like is I was lead pastor, but no one knew that really for the first eight years because <laughs> um, my dad had obviously tremendous uh, impact uh, through his preaching, but in, in terms of the day-to-day operations of, of the refuge, really wasn't <clears throat> involved. Um, and so that's the hope for this next year is I can sort of take on that role where I'll be preaching every other week and a part of casting vision for the church and being present as a pastor, but to bring on an executive pastor who will participate in preaching uh, but also preparing the refuge uh, for where I think God's calling us. And for years, we've dreamed of uh, refuge churches being present where the Coffee Oasis locations are. And, you know, and in some ways, we just are primed and ready to go and be places where others can hear about Jesus and be healed by Jesus. And, um, and so I, I just don't have the capacity for that. Um, and, and in some ways <clears throat> we haven't been able to, to live into that. So well, I want you to hear something hopeful, um, not at all that I will be less, less present with you guys. And, um, I just need to, to share that responsibility. So I'll be praying for us as a church. Um, last year we actually hired somebody <clears throat> and it just wasn't a, a great process for the church. Uh, it happened too quick, and, and it didn't work out, and so probably some of you have PTSD from that, um, <laughs> but uh, this will be a process where people apply, and, and the church gets to meet them, and, and uh, so just do pray for us. Um, you know, we're, we're a unique gathering of people, and, and so we will take as much time. Um, I am fine doing what I'm doing with the responsibility I have uh, for as long as it takes. But, um, but we, we do want to um, not just stay where we're at, but, but keep praying, God, what do you have for us? So um, if you have questions, feel free to ask me, email me, call me, um, just at appropriate hours of the day. So uh, <laughs> with that, pray with me again, and we'll dive into God's word. Father, uh, we, we do want to just have family time this morning where um, <laughs> we who are your family, your sons and daughters, can just hear from you, enjoy you, and maybe friends have come who, who want to see who our Father is and, and they get to hear, hear from you. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> this can be a, just a place of soul rest and refreshment and that we won't come just to file another piece of information away, but to be changed by truth, to be sanctified by your truth, to become more like you, and and in that, to find great joy wherever we are in life, whether we're having a hard time or a great time, just to find ourselves in you. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, We are close to wrapping up our Jesus Said That series. Um, 
it seems like every series we do, we get this feedback there like, man, that's like, it's one of my favorite series we've done. And, and I think a lot of us have really enjoyed this simply because we've just got to look at the words of Jesus and, and see both in the encouragement and the, the challenge of them that, um, that perhaps when we've said, I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm a Christian, that it doesn't always match up with exactly what Jesus means when he says, come follow me. When he says, come follow me and I will make you, have you been made into his image? Have you been made into his life? And so we've been challenged by some super encouraging words, even, even as we've looked at words like, um, you know, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. But looking at coming to Jesus means leaving something behind. Uh, when, when Jesus challenged us to, to not invite people over to our house who will invite us back to invite those people who can't. And we have to wrestle with those things. When we go, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. And we're like, well, if Jesus said that is, that, is that actually what we do? So are we experiencing the life Jesus has? Now, today we're going to look at some interesting words from Jesus that aren't found actually in any of the Gospels. They're found in the book of Acts. Um, but to lead into that, uh, I want to ask a really important question. And that is, how many of you got Disney Plus this week? See, I knew you were all more spiritual than that. That was a test. You passed. Now, for some of you who didn't raise your hand, you're like, gosh, I need to, I need to go cancel that subscription now. <laughs> if you're not aware, Disney released its own streaming service this week. Don't worry, this is going to be a part of the sermon. I'm not just rabbit trailing. Disney released Disney Plus this week, and it's a big deal, so you can do a deep dive into the Disney catalog, Right? Movies that you, you just forgot existed, but were like your childhood, okay? Um, also part of Disney Plus is the Marvel Universe, as they call it, right? The stories of all these superheroes, valiant fighters for justice. Now, we are suckers for superhero or just hero stories. And we're suckers for hero stories because they represent how we see saving happening. Now, now, when we watch Thor or Captain America or Captain Marvel, right, we, we kind of are drawn into this story because of what's, what's called the hero's journey. And, and now if you're like, okay, now before some of you are like, I just don't do that. You're like, okay, it could be Braveheart or something else. We're drawn into the hero's journey, which is someone who starts often like you or I. I'm a little cocky, we got a swagger, or maybe not confident at all, whatever that is. And they, they transform into someone willing to give their life for the life of others. And you see the hero's journey is is really amazing, and the character development is incredible. Think of someone like Iron Man, who we loved in his bravado, but at the end was willing to sacrifice himself for everybody, was humbled along the way, and we kind of see that in every character. We, we, we move from this flashy character who's just kind of doesn't know what to do with their abilities, and all of a sudden they're transformed into a humble person who's willing to give their life for other people. And so the question for us is, as we look at that and we admire that, is have we found something worth dying for? See, we admire it. And the hero's journey, right, is way more than superpowers. If I were to ask you simply, 
who's your hero, you probably wouldn't pull from a piece of fiction. You'd probably pull from someone in life, a character like Mother Teresa or maybe your own mother. Your hero who, if I were to ask you the story, probably started somehow, whether it's humble or, or wealthy beginnings, whatever that is, but they transformed into someone willing to give their life for others. That is the, that is the hero's journey. What we're going to look at today is the hero's journey of a guy named Paul. Paul's an interesting character because when we first meet Paul in the Bible, he is a guy who is sort of like an Iron Man character. He's like, he has achieved a lot and he's really proud of it. And he actually uses his position, the authority from his education and the power he's been given by the group he's a part of, the Pharisees, to actually go out and persecute the church. And so he goes around and he's killing Christians. This is in the book of Acts. And, and God meets him, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus, falls off his horse, he's blind, and God in, invites a guy to come, just an ordinary guy to come and, and heal Paul. And from that moment on, Paul is fiercely passionate about proclaiming the gospel. But his hero journey starting there continues. And, and I just want us to kind of jump into it in the, in the midst of Acts 20 and, and want you to see where Paul has come and, and the, both the, the tenderness we find in Paul, but the passion we find in Paul. And you'll see by the end how this wraps into Jesus said that. So Acts 20, 13 says, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asus, where we were going to take Paul aboard. This is Luke writing, Dr. Luke. He had made his arrangements because he was going there on foot. Now, where they dropped Paul off from there to this, this town called Asus is actually 20 miles. But the, the amazing thing is if you read about it, it, was, it would have given him an extra day if he went there on foot rather than everyone else who was sailing around. So Paul goes, drop me off. I'm going to hike 20 miles on foot simply so I can get an extra day with these people. And everyone else is like, we're taking the boat. <laughs> when he met us at Asus, he took him, we, uh, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So he's passing it, but he's inviting the elders to come. And when they arrived, he said to them, and, and man, just listen, this is, uh, they say this is the, kind of the, the most similar thing we get to the letters of Paul in the book of Acts. And this is him just pouring out his heart to this group of elders. And this is what he says. You know how I've lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught publicly and from house to house. I've declared both to Jews and to Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. 
However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Do you, do you hear in this, it's kind of going back to the hero's journey, do you hear this? Paul, who has had this amazing um, heredity in terms of education, in terms of position in life, and now he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My life is worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. My only aim is complete the task the Lord has given to me. And that task is, the testify, is to testify to the good news of God's grace. That's the, that's the compelling, passionate vision of his life. He says, now I know that none of, of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me. Again, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And I think this is just amazing. I mean, you guys, as you think about this, um, I think of the transitions we're going through, right? And, and I think oftentimes we think, man, we have such a strong foundation. It's just going to be like the, the path is more laid out for us. But the reality is in any transition, there will be conflict, right? And he goes, as I leave, even though I've preached the entire will of God, and that's impressive. <laughs> like, like Paul's not going, and I've given you kind of like part of what you need to know. He goes, I've given you the entire will of God. But you need to be caretakers of that. You need to hold on to that. He goes, because I'm not going to be here. This is the last time you're going to see me. And, and after I leave, right, savage wolves are going to come among you. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And this is after Paul talks about just how he has given his life, he kind of leads into this reason or a summary for it all, which seems very simple, but it's pointing to these words that, again, Jesus didn't share in any of the gospels what we hear from oral testimony. Now I commit to you, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by the, this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then this is how it ends. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see him face to face again. And they accompanied him to his ship. Um, so first, I want you to simply consider Paul's extraordinary life. 
Paul's, we'll call it his hero life. Because Paul, for sure, was a hero. He was, he was someone who lived extraordinarily. He was someone who could say, and you get this in, in Acts as he's going about, and then the Gospels. He literally says at one point, he goes, I don't need to go to Asia anymore because the whole thing's covered with the Gospel. He's like, I've already covered that. Now I'm going to move on. That's amazing. Like, after Jesus, Paul probably made the biggest impact on the church than anyone else. It's incredible. He's lived this extraordinary life. And so as we consider that extraordinary life, I want us to consider how he summarizes that whole thing or, or shows us the mission that has compelled him to that. And if you go back to the last slide, it is this simple oral testimony that's come. So I think how we get this is, is Paul, who's kind of coming late to the faith. So Jesus already died, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father. And now Paul kind of comes along and he calls himself like uh, late to the party or late adopted or like, he's just like, I know I'm late, but I'm all in, right? And so as he comes to that, I think he went around going, hey, which one of you spend time with Jesus? And he was just collecting, he just wanted to hear stories of Jesus. And the end of John, we get kind of a foretaste of this where John just ends his gospel saying, if, if we were to write all the stories of Jesus down, the, the world doesn't have enough space for the books. But at this time, Paul was one of those people who got to go around and actually meet people who'd met Jesus. And so he was collecting stories. And one of these stories was Jesus sharing the words, it is more blessed to give than receive. And that transformed Paul's entire life from someone who was a getter to someone who was a giver. Now, Paul is a Pharisee. I believe his former mantra of life was this, whatever I achieve, I can receive. And I think a lot of us fall into that. Whatever I achieve, I, I receive. And, and what that meant for him is like, God has just laid out his law. He's laid out what he wants me to do. And I'm going to do that to the best of my abilities, and I'm going to be better than anyone at it. And he literally kind of throws, throws a, a, you know, a bone back to his old life in Philippians where he goes, you know, what? I was better than everybody at it. But he goes, that life I now consider rubbish. He actually uses a, the S word. I'm just not going to say it because I got in trouble once for preaching and saying it. He goes, I now consider rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. All those things, my whole life of achieving and thinking I would receive something from God for achieving, I now consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ because when you meet Jesus, it all changes. Instead of it being something you win, it is something you inherit. And that's what you get here in verse 32, right here at the beginning. It says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. What is that inheritance? It means that if you, like Paul, have come to Jesus and said, everything I have is lost and all I want is you, you are adopted into the family of God and everything that God has is given to you. That's what it says in Romans 8. If he gave us Jesus, it says, how will he not give us all things? And so, so the, the big idea of the sermon is simply, we give everything like Paul. We enter that hero's journey of giving everything, 
because God has given us his everything. That's simply saying, I commit you to God, to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those being sanctified. And then inheritance is everything. Knowing that God has not withhold anything from us because he's given us his own son. And so what Paul does now, he goes, now I don't covet gold. I don't covet silver. I don't covet any of your clothing. And he goes, what that's actually led to is me working harder, not to achieve anything because I'm not trying to get anything more. I'm simply trying to live out the words of Jesus, which is this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, how do we learn to do this? Well, we we learn this because now as a part of God's family, we learn from God himself who, who gave himself to us. And this is the, this is the profound thing as one who is an inheritor of God, right? Well-known verse, John 3, 16, it kind of gives us that mission, which is God's love of the world he gave. We have a giving God. We have a God who is living out these words. It is more blessed to give than receive. And, and the word, when you see the word blessed, I simply want you to hear the word happy. It's actually, this word is translated many other times as just happy, which for many of us is like, that seems somewhat shallow. It's, it's actually deeper than anything because at the root of probably everything you do, you're like, how do I, how do I live satisfied, full? How do I be happy? And, and he's going, this is the way. This is the way to happiness. God himself lives this way of giving himself constantly to others. God gave the son. The son who comes gives his life and gives the spirit. The spirit who then comes, sent by Jesus, comes on a mission to give you the full promises of God, to fulfill the promises of God. The spirit comes and he's giving you truth and he's sanctifying you in truth, which means he's helping drawing you towards the Father. So God gives constantly and we've been invited into that. So now Paul responds. Have a great day. Um, Paul responds... By giving himself, and, I, and just to give you a snapshot of this, I want to read to you in 2 Corinthians uh, 6. Um, and because and some of you might hear the word Paul and just go, I have no idea, that word means nothing to me. And so listen to 2 Corinthians 6, Paul says this, he goes, we will put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so our ministry will not be discredited. He says, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in trouble, in hardship, and distress. And you're like, okay, I've had some distresses. And then he goes on. In beatings, imprisonment, riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity. And it's interesting. He goes from like imprisonments, and he's like, and also in purity, and understanding, patience, kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love and truthful speech and in the power of God with the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing but possessing everything. (laughs) It's quite the life. 
right? It's the swings of like rejoicing in purity and in, in good report. He goes, also bad report, also getting beaten, also riots bringing us to kill us. This is the life of Paul. And the way he ends simply referring back to this inheritance, he says, having nothing, yet we possess everything. And so, so for us, I simply want to ask us this question. Are you living a getting life or a giving life? Are you still trying to achieve and get? And this is always an interesting time of year uh, to ask this question because it's really easy to go the route of like, what do you want for Christmas? You know, but many of us are like, I don't want anything. And honestly, for me, it's really hard to think of what I want because I buy myself everything I want. Amen, right? It's because I don't, I, I am frivolous with my life. And so when someone's like, when was your birthday? I'm like, honestly, I'll just buy it if I want it. So just give me something you think I want. And yet that's the often, and, and it's, it's just kind of the way we live. And, and because of that, there is this idea. And Hannah and I talk a lot about this as we come together. And both of us, I think, are people who, well, I don't think. Both of us need to learn to budget, okay? So because it's really easy. This is just a deep dive into our lives. So, but both, both of us in, are, want to learn this way of going. And literally in my journal this week, as I was reading uh, Paul, I just finished Second Corinthians. And I'm getting to Galatians. And, and in my journal this week, I wrote, uh, I want to care for what I have and love what I've been given. That meaning, I, I want to be thankful for what I have, and in that, begin acknowledging that everything I need, I have already. I want, I want to live into the inheritance that's mine in Christ, and, and by dwelling on that, meditating on that, understand, and, and honestly, what's going to happen is then we're filled with joy, and we start thinking about the things that we can get, Right? Instead of going, man, if I, if I build a, f- this is real personal, if I build a fence in my yard so Neil doesn't run away, if I, right, and I just start making this list, and you're like, and if these things happen, then it's going to be good. And what that is, is it's a distraction when God goes, I've given you everything, give yourself away. And now that doesn't mean that, that things, we're not going to still invest in our lives, Right? invest in our families, but the perspective changes. The pursuit of happiness changes. We get that, and that's the important part, and that's what he's saying here. It is more happy to give than to receive. It's more happy to think of the inheritance that's ours in Jesus, and so, so we're giving. And, and that is, if we start thinking that way, that's not just the way Paul thought, It's the way the Holy Spirit thinks. It's the way Jesus thinks. It's the way the Father thinks. And so when we think of, man, how is it possible that it could be a good idea for God the Father to send the Son whom he loves and is pleased in, and there's nothing missing in that relationship, how can it be good for God to do that? Because God's going, it makes me happy to give because the heart of God is giving. And so if we, if we enter into relationship with God and he's given us his inheritance and yet we still think about getting, ultimately what we're doing is we're living by the corruption that we bring into that relationship. 
We're not living by the fulfillment that's ours in Jesus. And so, and this is helpful as we wrestle through every different area of our lives. And for us, it could be what happens when a family member gets cancer, what happens when you're given more responsibility or something fails in your life, what happens in those moments. In those moments, if I live for what I get, I wrestle with things like, how can this happen to me? We, we have done good. We have, you know, and people ask me this. Your dad's such a good person. How can, fill in the blank. And that is simply, that comes from the thinking of, I need to get more so God appears good. And that is false. God is good. He's given everything to us in Christ. And we live from that. If I live 90 years versus 60 years, that doesn't make God better. What makes him good is he's given everything to us in Jesus. And that's not a temporary promise. That's an eternal promise, and that is ours. And everything else he decides to give us is something we receive with gratitude. Does that make sense? So I just I want us as a church to, to stop thinking, if God does X, Y, Z, then he's better. And that is completely false. And, we, and so when we read Paul, we're like, how did the simple statement of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than receive, how could that motivate such a profoundly amazing life? And the way that motivates such a profoundly amazing life is because he sees what the Father does in giving the Son. He sees what the, the Son does in giving himself and sending the Spirit. And what the Spirit in sanctifying us in truth is preparing us for, which is not just temporary things, but for an eternity with himself. And so then we go and, and we get to invite people into that. So have you found this not just worth living for, but worth dying for? Have, are you still just asking for something as if that next thing given will give you contentment? Because that's not true. What's true is that Jesus has given you everything in himself. And we get to enjoy that and then go live generously with it. Pray with me. Father, help us just appreciate you and be grateful for you. And Stop holding up our hands and just saying more, more, more. And help us just enjoy you, be happy in you. When we, we leave this place today, whether it's the rustling of the breeze and the trees, the people you've put around us, that we get to go out holding a Bible, the word of God, and, and we get to know you. Make us grateful. Help us. Free us from our desire for more. So we'll desire you and find that fulfillment that is ours right now in Christ. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.